June 1944, a four-star commander walked among the troops and shook their hands and spoke to them. With more than 100,000 men preparing to cross the channel for the invasion of France, this would be the largest amphibious assault ever attempted. General Eisenhower hoped his words would prepare the men for battle, give them the courage, and make them defiant against all odds. He provided them with the following letter. Soldiers, sailors, and airmen of the Allied Expeditionary Force, you are about to embark upon the Great Crusade, toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. In company with our brave allies and brothers-in-arms on other fronts, you will bring about the destruction of the German war machine, the elimination of Nazi tyranny over the oppressed people of Europe, and security for ourselves in a free world. Your task will not be an easy one. Your enemy is well-trained, well-equipped, and battle-hardened. He will fight savagely. But this is the year 1944. Much has happened since the Nazi triumphs of 1940-1941. The United Nations have inflicted upon the Germans great defeats in open battle, man-to-man. Our air offensive has seriously reduced their strengths in the air and their capacity to wage war on the ground. Our home fronts have given us an overwhelming superiority in weapons and munitions of war and placed at our disposal great reserves of trained fighting men. The tide has turned. The free men of the world are marching together in victory. I have full confidence in your courage, devotion to duty, and skill in battle. We will accept nothing less than full victory. Good luck, and let us all beseech the blessings of Almighty God upon the great and noble undertaking. And with this letter, the men of the task force were extremely thankful for the visit, even though it was brief. And they were determined to embark on their nighttime journey to attack the Germans in June of 1944. Welcome to the Instinctive Influencers Podcast, a show where influence becomes one of your tools for success. Now, here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Ed Haley. Hi, I'm Brian. And I am Ed. And this is the Instinctive Influencers Podcast. Ed, what is going on, my man? It's another uh, dreary, rainy day here in Germany, uh, but still nice out. The weather is breaking. It's getting warmer. I'm able to get my bike out and get some miles. Uh, I may put together my mountain bike today and actually try to get on the trails later on. Oh, you, you're you're actually going to get into the mountain biking, too, not only the road biking, huh? Well, yeah, because down the street from my house, there's a, a lot of uh, trails. They're mostly dirt and stuff to explore my wife has a mountain bike so it'd be fair um trying to ride on the road with her mountain bike versus my road bike is not a fair thing so yeah no we're going to try to ride some trails we actually were walking last week and found a little pond back there that i didn't know was there with little benches where you could sit and kind of just reflect hey just do me a favor if you're going to be riding in the woods like that wear your knee pads and your elbow pads so you don't get boo-boos okay you should be more concerned about me walking in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see what you did there. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, so, I mean, we, earlier we were talking um, before the show, you know, because we have our conversations and stuff. And it was funny that, you know, we actually got in a huge conversation about the world wrestling entertainment and WWE and all that stuff. And and it's 
I think of that and then I think about the title of today's show and I think to myself, like the type of presence that those people have on that show, I mean, it, it's just insane. And then the influence that they have because of that presence. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on that? So, yeah, they might call it, they probably call it charisma, but it's still a presence and the influence. So it's really weird because wrestling fans have short-term memory. And I know a lot of people like, well, wrestling's fate, whatever. I like it. I grew up watching it with my grandmother and my great-grandmother. It ain't going away. But they can make that crowd do what they want. So, you know, last night, one of the things, the shtick, it was a Hall of Fame thing. And the shtick was, don't say Vince McMahon's name. And one of the characters said, well, what if we get the audience to say it? And as soon as he says that, the entire arena, right, starts chanting, Vince McMahon, Vince McMahon, because that's the influence they have. Same thing, John Cena. Everybody knows who John Cena is. And uh, by the way, the all-time leader in Make-A-Wish appearances. He And that's why he was out there. He was recognizing the lady that puts the Make-A-Wish thing together. But when Cena's music hits, the fans start going, let's go Cena. And the other side starts going, Cena sucks. But that's still an influence. It may not be what we quite talk about on the show, but that's an influence. And he plays it. He plays into it. And I, I just had to mention the uh, the Make-A-Wish thing because even though wrestling is fake, they do have an influence. Like That dude has granted 619 wishes to kids. No other athlete in the world has done it. And also wrestling has granted more Make-A-Wish kids uh, wishes than any sport or any celebrity in the world. No other sport has granted as many as wrestling has. Wow. Which is not a sport, sports entertainment. (laughs) No, no, well, I mean, you know, there's a lot of things that can be said about all the different stuff that goes on with it and whatnot. I mean, I know I watched it when I was younger and stuff. It's just, I brought it up too, because I thought about, uh, I thought about your, your article that you just read or the letter you just read and the presence that was had with that and how, it was used to kind of to you know get get the troops riled up and ready to fight you know and and if mm-hmm. you think about it like for instance on the shows uh the wrestling shows and stuff that's kind of what they do they they kind of they fire everybody up and just get them rowdy and whatnot and to to really you know to set the tone and to you know to well to make it you know what they want it to be and at the same time i think about the title of today's show which for those of you, um, we're doing a small. It's gonna be. It's it's a bit of a smaller. Um, I would say series, but it's gonna last for quite a while. And it it it's titled "Influence Is," and then it's usually some other phrase at the end of it. You know, "Influence Is This" or "Influence Is That." But this is "Influence Is Presence," and presence is a massive thing that you know when you think about presence and how we present ourselves or how we're able to basically show who we are uh, to those around us. I mean, it can say a lot about us, you know, how do we fire up those troops or how do we get everybody, you know, on the same, on the same uh, page as everyone else, you know, one of those things. So I definitely, I think it's going to be, this is going to be an interesting talk. Uh, We have, we're pulling a lot of this information from an article I found recently that I thought was, I mean, it's, it's right along the same lines of what i was thinking when uh when i thought about the show um to kind of give some let me just throw a little bit of information out there but basically the article is ri- written by uh, siddharkar prebu 
Um, he is he's an executive leadership coach and he does, you know, a lot of consulting, leadership development, consulting and, you know, development of, of teams and things like that. So, you know, he's got he's got some uh, he's got some experience dealing with this. And then he really just wrote the article to kind of, you know, uh, and it was written in 2017. So, you know, it's a couple of years old now, um, but he read it, wrote it to kind of you know, just explain what he's observed over his years in consultant, you know, consulting for leaders and what, and, and their influence and whatnot. Uh, but what, what are your thoughts, my man? Yeah, no. I, so the one thing I wanted to say, like that, that letter that was by general Eisenhower, uh, and later president Eisenhower. But the other thing that really stood out about this part and, the, and, you know, I kind of picked that letter because D day, uh, the anniversary is approaching the 75th anniversary is in June, but he, did not sit in an office somewhere and be like, all right, take over. You know, he was the Supreme Allied commander and he went and visited these troops. And there's a famous picture of him with you and I both being one-on-one guys where he is meeting Dick Winters, right? Right before the 101st jump. So he started with the airborne and he went and seen these guys. That's a, you know, presence we talked about before walk around leadership. Well, that's what it is. He visited each unit he had going into combat and knowing there was a good chance that 50 or 60% of these guys were not coming back. Um, but his presence, like, you know, Oh my gosh, there's that's Ike. That's Ike. And, and the soldiers, it gets the soldiers fired up. So that's what your presence can do. Now there's a lot to presence. And that's why I'm excited about this article. Uh, you know, and I think we're going to hear some things that we maybe talked about before today. I think you're right. And, and then that's the whole thing is it's understanding that, uh, as an influencer, a leader, whatever it is that you want to consider yourself, you don't segregate these things. You, everything that we talk about should be intertwined. It should be used, uh, braided together, and used uh, you know, interchangeable with one, you know, of everything else. It'll help actually develop you as an individual. And I'm not saying you as in you, Ed. I mean, as in the listeners. Uh, it'll help. <laughs> it will help myself and Ed with uh you know our influence and our leadership abilities but it's just there's so much to be gained from this so we're going to jump right into it um right off the bat i want to kind of read what he had here and then and then we're going to talk a little bit about it and then you know a little bit here and there so there to give you an idea though there are four basically main areas that we're going to cover within this um and then in within four, all those four areas it kind of gives you an idea of how to kind of discover that particular area if you're not aware of it yet so let's start right off the bat uh, a leader has to be purposeful in establishing presence and intentional in using influence to make their time spent communicating beneficial researchers over the years have established that during a workday leaders and managers spend more than 70 percent to 90 percent of their time in communication to be effective and to maximize the impact of time spent in communication a leader has to be purposeful in establishing their presence and intentional in using influence to make their time spent in communication yield a better outcome. So you think about that, man. 70 to 90% of your time as a leader in communication. That's, those, that's big numbers if you think about it. You're spending a lot of time trying to communicate what's going on. Yeah, and I think it's even more than that. I think you're also just communicating to get to know uh, the people you work with and that work for you, right? Like that. So the communication piece is more than just 
you know, focused on your task and your missions. I need to get to know these people. Um, and that plays into the talent management piece, which we've mentioned uh, before. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, and we're going to get into more things uh, that we've already talked about in previous shows. But I think something key is, is we had this show about influencing through communication uh, or communicating influence. Uh, I would definitely tell people to, you know, go back. If you hadn't listened to it, then go back and listen to it. But if you had listened to it, go back and listen to it, because maybe there was something you didn't grab then that we could talk. We may talk about now that's kind of, you know, it's transactional. It's within the same area, but I definitely want to, you know, to be effective and to maximize the impact of time spent in communication. And really that's don't waste people's time whatsoever. When you, when you're just wasting time, cause you're, you're basically just rambling makes no sense. I, and you know, I believe I'm, I've been in, I've been that person before that's been in that situation where, you know, I've rambled on and I'm thinking, and I'm actually thinking to myself, like, oh, wow, I think I just rambled and I just wasted people's time. So they probably don't want to hear me. So I need to hurry up and cut this, you know, this conversation or whatever. You know, you ever you ever felt like that or had somebody like that that you were listening to, Ed? Yeah, yeah, well, definitely. I've heard leaders that I've had be like that. And then at times I I have been like that. The one thing I think we should learn from the from our military experience, which goes over into the civilian sector, is bluff. Bottom line up front. So when we write an award, what do we do? Get the get it out right. It should be the same way when we're communicating as influencers, as leaders, as supervisors. Is get out your point and, and move on. Don't just draw it out. A lot of times when we draw it out, we're sugarcoating something. You know, if we got bad news for for our section or for you know our subordinates, we want sugar. Well, you know, you guys have been doing great with this. Some things, yes. Some things, you know, it's too much, and then that's when we get in that trouble of. Uh, we're just rattling on for no good reason, like I am right now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, um, and you brought up a good acronym, bluff. Bottom line up front. For those of you out there, it's you know, bottom line up front. It's not as in I'm playing poker and I'm trying to bluff you and try because <laughs> I will tell you, I my first time I ever heard that, I actually thought it meant I was trying to bluff you. You know, kind of like. Oh, maybe you won't catch me or not. And then I found out really quickly that is not what that means. It <laughs> actually means all the facts and just that. So, uh, but let's, we're going to get right into it. Um, I, I misspoke earlier. I said four areas. I actually meant five different areas. All right. So here are the five things you can do better if you invest in establishing and sustaining your presence and learn to exert influence. All right. I'm going to read those five things of what those five things are. And then we're going to hit each one. So the first one is differentiate yourself, showcase your uniqueness. Second one is understand people and regulate behaviors appropriately. Oh, that's a good one. The third one. (laughs) Yeah. Third one, be seen or considered as a leader, gain acceptance. We already, we've, we've had a conversation about that before. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Number four is influence people and accomplish goals. And then number five is enlarge the circle of influence 360 degrees. All right. So we're going to jump right into the very first one, uh, which was differentiate yourself, showcase your uniqueness. All right. So when you understand what makes you unique and you offer your uniqueness in ways that benefit other teams, organizations, a business, you successfully create an established leadership presence. 
you know, uh, do you, is there something about you, Ed, that you th- that you may think makes you unique in the leadership realm? I think one of the things, and you said it is, and I I don't realize it. And I really didn't realize it till you said it. Is I guess I kind of have an infectious personality, and um, I, absolutely. I, and I recently heard it again at this new assignment, and that's one of those things that's like I I guess. I don't know. I've heard it more than one time. So now we're, we're like, Oh, there must be some merit to it. And I think that that, that is unique. I I don't think you see that all the time. Like somebody that people just want to talk to hang out with, uh, you know, work with, I think that's unique. So I would say that. Yeah. And and the thing is the way you'd be able to showcase that is, because you are that type of person and people want to kind of feed you with information, it kind of makes you a force multiplier because you could do multiple things with that. One, you could use that to help establish new norms uh, amongst the group or wherever because now you're understanding each person's personality type, each time their feelings, what's going on with them. Another thing is, too, is you can help connect people because you may say, okay, well, Jim over here, um, really good at X, Y, and Z. And then, well, Danielle over here, she's, uh, you know, LMNOP. These two together would make a perfect fit on doing this particular project or this particular assignment, you know. So that's what's good about that is because now you are you're you can be in reception mode constantly with people and it's going to make you a force multiplier, you know. Um, I would definitely say at the same time, I've met individuals who did not have an infectious personality. <laughs> they they did not have that presence about them that literally made you want to be around them. And those, I hate to, I mean, and, and I don't like to say, you know, I'm not going to, one, I wouldn't say the names of anyone, but it's sad to say that there are people out there that you just don't want to be near. Oh yeah. But I mean, it's, but then again, it's, you know, Hey, you know, you, if you can choose not to be around somebody, will you? And I mean, to me, that's their uniqueness and at the same time, I find that to be a weakness. Um, so I got a question for you, Brian. Yeah. What What do you think it, uh, makes Brian unique? Um, decision making, quick decision making. Because mm. I I like to like uh, like processing in my brain um, when I receive information and I process it in my brain really quick. I usually can come up with a pretty fast decision on something now at the same time that is also a weakness because maybe i come up with a decision on something or an idea about something and i didn't take in enough elements to present even better an idea but i don't know i I found i've always found that like making decisions not just a quick but also just you know elaborate you know courses of action things like that i've i've always enjoyed that like i love i don't know how to play chess and i wish i always learned because i love the idea of wargaming and and like playing through things in my mind in like split seconds i i guess i mean that's i that's pretty much what it is that uh i find um and i like to i like to be you know i've always wanted to you know see myself as a people person that people could talk to right um and i feel like it's kind of like that i don't think it was like that early on though you know, so th- that's a that's a built trait. That's a, something that has I've come up with over time. So experience. So we talk about experiential learning. So basically, it's something that you learn through your experiences. That's, I mean, as young leaders, young supervisors, we've all you know uh, 
I don't think I had an infectious personality early because I was a very angry person because I didn't handle my stress well. So it's something that we develop over time. So there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's uh that's critical to developing our presence. Nobody wakes up and has a great presence immediately. You know what I mean? Like, Oh no, we develop it. So yeah, I think that plays right into it. Yeah. And, and it's funny, the conversation we just had by asking each other what we think it is, um, it, and I'm going to continue this article. That's where this article goes. But what I would say is I also think that it's a good idea to, if, you know, you know, somebody really well, like I know you pretty well. So we could have a, we could have a candid conversation where you could tell me where you think my strengths, my strengths are, and then my weaknesses are right. And I could do the same thing with you. It's not something that I think should be public, you know, because sometimes it can, if other people are around, that's and this is this is another thing that we can look at as being a positive uh, for presence is if other people are around and, and you're knocking somebody or or you're doing it over open waves where other people can hear it, they'll tend to get defensive, right? And they won't they won't accept it as much. And we talk about that in communicating. We talk about that with toxic in uh, the toxic influence show, but being able to communicate that back and forth. You know, hey, this is a strength. This is a weakness. Okay, and then vice versa. It allows for more growth. You know, to help differentiate yourself and showcase it. Yeah. Real quick, let me finish. Let me finish up what it says in this part of the article, um, and then we'll discuss a little bit. So it says what we just talked about: your talents, the natural way one thinks and feels, hold the key to understanding who you are and decode your uniqueness. What differentiates you from others? Uh, it is the talents that explain why you are better at some things than others. I mean, if that doesn't explain exactly what we just talked about, I don't know what does, right? But as we keep going on in this, he, he talks about uh, that there was a um, top five talent themes and exact sequence as yours is basically one in 33.39 million. So let's say if there was five talents, right? Like communication or being able to communicate well with people, decision-making, how well you work, you know, just, you know, all these different talents. Of the top five, 33.39 million. You're one in that. So it's not like the person right beside you has those exact same talents. So the person on the other end of this microphone from me, his talents are different from my talents and vice versa. Um, what do you think about, you know, that whole, that, that's, I mean, that's a wide array, wouldn't you say? Yeah, yeah, that's a huge thing. And I think when we get to the second step, we're going to uh, kind of hit on how you recognize that. And we've talked about it in our emotional intelligence episode as well on how we kind of uh, recognize those things. But people are an amazing thing. Like we all have different talents and is the combination and then throw in all different cultures. So even if you and I had three similar uh, items, like, you know, our top three were similar, but then the culture comes in and that changes that dynamic for us. And now it's something unique again. Yeah, exactly. And and the way that he speaks about this in this article is, you know, basically th those talents that you have, they are what differentiate you from others. Um, and it create you create a uniqueness because a uniqueness is what is going to catch the eye of others. So if I, you know, for that presence, the presence that we're talking about, um, at the same time, that's a bit of a competitive advantage 
if you want, you know, if you were competing for jobs, if you catch the eye of that person. So if you, let's just say there's two people, they're being interviewed for a job, that particular talent. So you go through these different exercises, maybe to be hired. Maybe your talent shines over that other person. Well, that might be that one thing that catches their eye. So you're able to show your uniqueness to, you know, and you created a presence. You can do the same thing as a leader or when you're influencing people. Um, just because you don't have to be, you know, and that's a funny thing. People often think that the leader has to be the greatest of everything. Have you, have you ever have you ever got that notion yourself at all, Ed? Uh, early. That was my impression is I had to be the best of the best at everything involving being a sergeant. And I very quickly realized that that was impossible. It is, though. It, I mean, it, you, you, you try everything you possibly can to try, you know, to, to make a difference in every little aspect. And you got to have, you, you know, sometimes we act like we have all the answers and we don't, you know, as an influencer or a leader, you don't have all the answers, but you should be able to have uh, a resource that you can pull from to help with that answer. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. You got to have a reference point. You got to have some place to turn to. And when you say a resource now, Ryan, you don't just mean I have to be able to pull out a book and look it up. Because you would be a resource for me, right? Absolutely. Resources could be many things. It could be it could be other people. It could be something you read, something you've seen, something you watched on TV. Maybe um, it could be it could be the uh, resources could be like materials, the materials that you you're able to acquire. You know, there's resources are all over, and what happens is we don't realize and think about those resources. You know, I I don't know how many times that. I would go into something and realize, wait a second, I could do this this way because we have this particular resource over here that can be used to complete that mission. You know, um, and I mean, it's then there are the times where it's like you maximize all those resources and you're able to kind of get things done. That can create a uniqueness also is knowing what you have available to you. But you don't have to know everything. That's that's where I think is a big misconception. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I wish I'd have known that when I became a, a NCO, a non commissioned officer, the first time. It'd have been nice to have known it then. <laughs> uh, you and me, bro. You and me <laughs> both. Yep. All right. So let's talk about how to discover the y- uniqueness. All right. So these these are the you know as we go through each step, we're gonna have like these how to discover things. You know, it's how to discover uniqueness and unleash potential. So let's. Deepen the understanding of multidimensional aspects of your dominant talents. It sounds like a lot, but when you think about it, deepen the understanding of the multidimensional. So if I understand that my problem-solving skills or my my decision-making skills are good enough, then I can think about, okay, well, how can I use those to my advantage to create a presence? Well, um... Offer up advice when asked, uh, to and, and and throw out different answers. Come up with different, you know, multiple answers for one problem. I mean, that that to me would be a way. Um, what do you think uh, with you, Ed? Wh- where would you go with that to be, you know, understanding your talents and to be able to use those, you know, in a multi-dimensional aspect? Well, I mean, you talk about all right. So we're talking about differentiate yourself, showcase your uniqueness, but. I can't showcase my uniqueness if I don't have an understanding of what my dominant talent is. And at the same time, I feel like 
you have to understand what your dominant talent is too. So you don't get overboard and let ego get in the way. You know, you don't want to lose control. You have to maintain some kind of control of that talent too. You don't want to be out there like, Hey, look at me, look at me. I'm really good at this. Look at me. Like, so kind of showing off. Yeah. You definitely don't want to come across as a show off. So I think that that you have to understand your dominant talents, all aspects of it before you can differentiate yourself and, and understand uh, what makes you unique. Yeah. That's, I, I couldn't agree more. I think, I think a key word that comes in there is um, with presence is also humility or with presence is humility and discipline, you know, and having that to be able to, you know, to not be an ego ran type person because man, uh, too many people allow that to railroad them into the wrong direction, you know? Yeah. Um, well, let's talk about the second, the, the second little one there it says have clarity of who you are, what you stand for and to know by others define the brand you. So basically you are a brand. Uh, somebody once told me that, and it wasn't, no, it wasn't told me. Actually, I think I seen it. Uh, I think it was Gary Vaynerchuk. I saw him talk about brand and what brand was. Basically, brand is your reputation, right? So if you have clarity of who you are, so who, who you are as Ed Haley, right? You are a person of X, Y, and Z who stands for elemental P and you're defined by this reputation that you've had across, say, the army, right? Would you be able to define that at all? Hmm. Uh, I would hope so, but I mean, you got to talk about perspective then. And my perspective, your perspective is different. Yeah. So, I mean, I kind of get the whole brand thing because, I mean, if you watch sports, uh, we talk about WWE. Some of those, like John Cena has a brand. John Cena is not that guy's name. That's his brand. And, you know, if he starts going out and making controversial movies, other than that one comedy he did, but if he starts making crazy decisions, he could tarnish his brand and hurt it, right? Exactly. So he's got this brand. He's a good guy. But then if he pushes a reporter in his face in a drunken stupor in New York, that would damage his brand. He, But that's not who he is. So... The brand thing. That's is, not who he stands for. Yeah, that, absolutely. That's not what he stands for at all. Yeah. yeah. I mean, when you, we think when we think about that, like, so <clears throat> clarity of who, uh, who I am and what I stand for, for instance, let's say my personal values. Our personal values are a big part of that, part of that brand and part of that uniqueness to understand, okay, um, if I was really good at telling stories, Maybe one of those things that I could be known for is stretching a story a little bit much, right? And that's not a talent that you want to, that sets you apart. Now, I met people. I have met people before that can tell a good story. Like you're, you literally are just like totally in tune with what they're saying, and then you walk away and you're like, I don't really think that's all true. <laughs> but you know, I mean, that that's that's their talent at telling stories, but sometimes it may go a little too much, too far. So, uh, but we have to think about, you know, your reputation of who you are. That's one of the uniquenesses you have about you with your talents. So that can build upon that. 
Let's think about the uh, the next one where it says value your unique talents and assume responsibility for investing in what gives you a natural advantage and playing to your advantage. I really like that. Assume responsibility. What do you think? I, I like to. I'm going to tell you. I kind of don't always 100 uh, percent buy into this. This one. I do assume responsibility, right? I agree with that, but. So I don't want to always just play. It, it doesn't say always, but um, playing to your advantage. I some sometimes you want to challenge yourself. You want to go after that thing that's not your natural talent. You want to, you know, you want to work towards something to make yourself better. So I kind of don't like that last little piece that he's got there. But uh, definitely, you got to assume responsibility though. So even if I do challenge myself, right, and I go outside my comfort zone. I go out my dominant talents realm and try to do something else. I have to assume responsibility for that too. Nobody wants to hear, well, that's not really what I do. I was just trying something, you know? Uh, Oh no. Yeah. Why did you try then? Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, uh, think about, you know, and I keep taking it back to stuff that's easy to kind of visualize. So think about uh, Seth Rogen and then he goes, he's known for what? Comedy, right? Then he did a serious film. And he actually did pretty well. He did a serious film with Adam Sandler-ish. But if that film bombs, nobody wants to hear, well, I only do comedy. Oh, yeah. Because that's his natural talent. But he went outside that comfort zone, and then he did well with it. So makes it even better. But that's kind of what I look at with this one. Oh, yeah, exactly. And, you know, I mean, but at the same time, um, I could see why you would want to branch off and do something outside of the norm for yourself and then accept responsibility. But that's the big part is ownership of that response, you know, having responsibility and having ownership of if you don't do well, Hey, listen, it is my fault. It's no one else's, you know, that's, we've talked about that multiple times. Um, but it's understanding, you know, what am I good at? What am I not good at? And a lot of times, and the crazy thing is, is some people, and I, I I can fall in that category too. Don't know what they're good at. I thought maybe I was good at riding bicycles, <laughs> but then I, I look at like statistics of like how fast really good bicycle riders are. And then I realize I'm not really that good at it. I just like it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a pretty fair assessment. Well, and if you think about it, if I just like something, um, I do have to measure myself against others to be able to figure out, am I good at it or not? Right. And that's, I don't know. That's to me, that's kind of how I would look at it is to find out my uniqueness in within my talents is, yeah, I may like doing something, but it doesn't always mean that I'm really good at it. And the crazy thing is, is on the flip side, I may dislike doing something, but I'm really good at it. And then it's like, okay, now I got to either I got to learn to like it or I just don't do it and not showcase those talents. Mm. Well, that's a, yeah, that's a tough one. <laughs> that's an internal. That's an internal conflict. Yeah, absolutely. You know? So let's move on. We're going to move on to number two. Uh, number two was understand people and regulate behaviors appropriately. I'm just going to go ahead and I'll read through the top part here, and then uh, we'll discuss this. Understanding yourself helps the understanding of others. Having clarity on who you are, why you make certain choices, your natural way of responding to situations is important to understand those around you greater the clarity you have on who you are and why you behave the way you do the better you can regulate your behaviors to have an appealing presence and deeper influence 
Ed, what does that sound like to you? I'm going to tell you that when I went to the Equal Opportunity School, they talk about having your bias bag. And everybody has natural biases for whatever reason. And they talk about how important it is to recognize those, recognize those biases and then put them in a bag. Because when you're dealing with people who are having problems with equal opportunity, you can't let your biases play a role in the decision-making process or your thought process uh, as the equal opportunity leader. And as you were reading that, that's absolutely what I was thinking about is you have to recognize who you are, why you think the way you do, why you know it's important that that's not part of the decision-making, throwing it in my bias bag and keep on moving. It's just, well... You know what it is. It's self-awareness. And not only is it self-awareness, but uh, the emotional intelligence piece too. Yeah. Because not only are you, are you, you know, figuring out who you are, like we spoke in the in emotional intelligence show, but also you're using that along with what you understand about the other person or the people around you. Yeah. And then when you, when you recognize those things in yourself, right, that's your self-awareness. But then when you control them, now we're talking another part of emotional intelligence. That's our self-regulation. And then even to understand people. Now we're talking about empathy. Like number two is completely, to me, emotional intelligence. Oh, all day long. Yeah. Yeah. So let's let's continue on. Finish the bottom half and then we'll continue on with it. Enhanced self-awareness. A deeper understanding of strengths and limitations. Being aware of how you think, feel, and behave and how it filters your world. How you build relationships, influence others, get things done, and process information will help you position your presence appropriately and deepen your influence to get things done. Right there alone, we just we spoke about it in the emotional intelligence show where we kind of we dissected it and how to figure out emotional intelligence. But by using the that emo, the emotional intelligence, he's basically stating you're able to kind of I, I hate to say manipulate but manipulate the relationship a little bit, right? So, and, and maybe it's and maybe it's not like as in I manipulate you, but I manipulate my behaviors and myself to be able to create a more conducive relationship. Just because I disagree with you every time doesn't mean I have to state it every time. Does it sound, does it sound about right to you, Ed? Oh, yeah, because I'd be ready to... Spartan kick somebody if every time I open my mouth they said, Nope, don't agree at that. Nope, don't agree. Um, we're talking a lot about emotional intelligence, and I would encourage the audience if you have not listened to episode 17, which is influencing with developed emotional intelligence, I would encourage you to go back and uh listen to that after this episode. I'm sorry, Brian, shameless plug. <laughs> no, that's not. I mean, what that does is that just kind of shows that we're, what we mean by this, where all of all that we talk about, it tends to inter intertwine, and it shows that there is something there that can be used by others. I, I mean, to me, like just when I read that small the small part, it says behave and how it filters your world. So how you think, feel, and behave, and how it filters your world. How I think, and then how I feel about it. We talk about emotions uh, all the time, but how we feel about things and then how I react or behave towards that. Of course, it's going to filter my world. If, if, I, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm an overreactor, people are not going to want to be around me. If I'm a, an underreactor, not very emotional, then people around are not going to want to be around me either because they're going to think, well, he's just going to, he's going to be just whatever mundane about it, you know? 
So I, to me, that's like, that's a key piece to this. Not only understanding myself, but also other people and how that behavior, you know, works within that. So, uh, you want to, you want to hit upon the, uh, how to enhance self-awareness? Sure. So the first thing is explore. What is your authentic self? What are the moment to say to yourself, this is the real me. So really you, some of this is, uh, you know, self-awareness to me, you, you got to do some reflection. You really got to be honest too. You can't look in the mirror, you know, and you're 120 pounds and say, I'm a pro bodybuilder, heavyweight class. Like it's just not the case. You're lying to yourself. It's the same thing. You look in the mirror and honestly assess you and say, now this is who I am. And, and that is key to self-awareness. What do you think? Yeah. No, I would say, you know, what's funny, um, as you read that straight thing came to mind, I think a great example of this, I've been, I've probably done it before. You've probably done it before. And many of you listeners have probably done this before, but you were in a conversation with somebody, maybe a heated conversation could have been with a loved one, could have been with a friend, whatever. And you said some things you really wish you didn't say when you walked away. To me, that right there is once you walked away, your authentic self took over and said, you really shouldn't have said that. And now what happens? Your feelings, you, uh, you tend to be resentful of what was said or, or the actions that took place. Would you agree with that, Ed? Uh, yeah. Uh, I think you made an excellent point about that, Brian. Yeah. It's just, to me, I mean, that's, that's kind of like that's that way of knowing what your authentic self is in a situation. It's that internal voice that's telling you, you know, we've had that we've, we've talked about it before of, you know, like you have the angel on one shoulder, the devil on the other shoulder. <laughs> it's the same thing. You know, it's, yeah. <laughs> what is that authentic self? You know what your authentic self is because deep down inside, if you feel bad about something, then absolutely. You know that that wasn't authenticity. That was just me acting out or being a certain way. You want to read the next one? Why you behave the way you behave and why you respond to a situation in a particular way. To me, this just sounds like recognizing your individual unique, most likely, triggers. Triggers to, to your behavior, triggers to the way you respond to a situation. I think that uh, self-awareness, recognizing these things, you know, I, I used to know, I I recognized that I did not handle pressure as a early leader well, and I would stress, and my stress would lead to me getting frustrated, and it would lead to me doing stuff myself instead of assigning it to my subordinates. Um, but then as I realized, well, wait a minute, why am I stressing myself out? This is before the Bearded Ninja taught me my favorite saying of nobody's shooting. Why are you upset? Um, but before that, I, I recognized it, and then I had to work on it. And it still happened time to time here and there. But then it got less frequently and less frequent. And I think now I do a decent job at it. Sometimes uh, short suspenses I know is a trigger for me. If somebody gives me a short suspense, I tend to freak out until I can see the tunnel, light at the end of the tunnel. That Okay, I've already got that task almost complete. Now I can relax. So I, I still see it there. Um, but you got to recognize those triggers. Yeah. I have a cool exercise for you for this then. You ready? <laughs> yeah. All right. So I walk up to you, Ed, and I say, hey, man, I saw your truck windows were open, 
So I went ahead and took that $100 bill from that center console I saw. Is that okay with you? Oh, is that okay? <laughs> why did you react that way? Why Why are you having these crazy feelings about that situation? Because uh, I didn't think through the fact that you could be saying, well, I secured that $100 bill, and then you could, in the next moment, hand it to me because you secured it for me. You didn't say, I took it, now I'm going to go. Oh, no, I kept it. Oh, you're keeping it? Oh, no, I'm keeping it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For this for this scenario. Oh, okay. Yes. And I shouldn't respond with violence, right? Whatever you you respond however you <laughs> want to because I'm asking you questions along with it. I mean, I did have somebody one time when I left my windows open uh, graffiti my vehicle with a bunch of Tories stickers. <laughs> Ruckus on uh, Tories. And, <laughs> yes, and I, and I did not get upset about that, but we're talking 100 bucks here. I have to justify that to my wife. That's probably my first train of thought. Okay, so that's, I lost a hundred bucks. I gotta tell my wife. Yeah, so but your thought process, it obviously went a certain direction because your your the reason why you reacted that way was because you had you had a, a snot a strong emotional connection there, in a sense, because you felt like you were violated, right? Yeah, absolutely. All right. I would agree with that. Same scenario. But this time I say, right. hey, Ed, I saw your truck was open. The windows were down. Um, I had this $100 bill, and I just set it in the console. What do you think? Why would you just set it in the console? I wanted to give you $100. Well, why wouldn't you give me $100 instead of sitting it in the console? Hey, listen. It's my scenario. Don't question it. <laughs> no, I'm I'm telling you how what my thought process would be right now. Oh, okay. Yeah, see, I was see, now I reacted differently cuz I had no idea what was going on. Um because I just wanted to make sure, you know, you had it in your truck when you drove away and I would I wouldn't want you to lose it or anything. So I put it there. And plus, if your wife sees it first, it's it's more of a gift to her than it would be for you anyways. I'm going out to the truck right now. <laughs> Get my get that $100 bill for my wife comes for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, but but your your strong reaction to that, right? Your behavior in that manner was much different. So if we think about this, the original one of me taking something from you, you probably had some anger, furious, you were you you yeah. violated yeah. and you wanted to kind of lash out. Yeah. But on the other side, you were you kind of had that warm, fuzzy feeling that you were in. You became happy with it, and you felt like you've, like you've gained something, which you did. And it's in it almost you. It created a euphoria. Uh, it would. I think it would have more once I got the hundred dollar bill. You know what I mean? I think the uh, military has taught us a lot about physical security, and until I had it secured, like it's really just sitting there. Anybody can still grab it. But yeah, yeah. Like once I go there and I grab that hundred dollar bill and I pick that hundred dollar bill up, I would experience a sense of uh, euphoria. I would agree with that. Was that a hundred dollar bill you just was rustling, or? Listen, we got sound effects on the show. We're moving up in the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's just that was just kind of a way to look at that because for people to really understand of you know why you behave the way you behave and why you respond to situations, it sometimes we have to really think about it, like not react immediately but although a situation may require a reaction now obviously this was a drastic sense i would i would definitely be if somebody told me they took money out of my truck i would lose my mind 
Yeah, I would have. Anybody that knows me knows I would have immediately turned to thoughts of violence. Yeah, I mean, it's just. So but maybe. Yeah, that was an example. Maybe a thumb in your throat or something. <laughs> yeah. <I don't> <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what's the next one? What's that next? Uh, that third one. <laughs> you made me lose my track. I'm here though. Proactively, I'm still upset about my hundred dollars. By the way, it's in the mail. Uh, proactive, proactively regulate behaviors based on how you are perceived by others for presence and influence. Oh, see, hmm. see, the key words there is perceived by others. Man, and the military teaches us perception is reality. It's probably one of the worst things I've ever heard. I know it's our way of thinking, you know, my perceptions, my reality. I, I hate that phrase, but yeah, perceived by, mm. it, but do you think about it? Perceived by others. If let's just say if people thought more of how they were perceived when they went about things. So for instance, let me give you a, a, a real, this is a real life thing for me. Okay. One of the things that I hate to do, my wife will test, she, she will tell you, Hey, yes, he is exactly like that. When we go into a store, a grocery store or a shopping store, whatever, I always want her to put, either put her purse in the top part or keep it on her. I never like to have a bag. So when you have when you have little kids, you carry around like little bags. They have all their cookies and snacks, and I mean, just it seems like you it's you pack a three day uh, ruck bag for a thirty minute trip to the commissary, right? Um, yeah, yeah. We do it for we do it for the dog. Exactly. <laughs> but I'm very like perception to me is if that bag is down in the lower part of the car, I don't want anybody even thinking that I would drop a product within that store in that bag if it was open. So that's why I like to have it closer to the body, secured, mm. closed, because I don't want anybody ever think that I would be trying to steal something from a store. So that's, that's like, that's my example of that whole perception. And that's what I think about when I act a certain way is, well, if I left, have I left myself open to some crazy perception? Um, another good example, as a recruiter, if there was a female that I would have, I would be dealing with, I always wanted somebody there. So there was never a perception that I was trying to you know, have some funny business, if that makes sense. No, that makes perfect sense. Um, and actually, so while you're talking, I'm thinking about my wife helped me with this. So early in my leadership days, uh, I was a bit of a hothead and I was very particular about my motor pool office and I was very particular about who did what and paperwork being done properly. And my wife would literally go to events and everybody's in civilian clothes and, and I would introduce her to soldiers or she would introduce herself and she will tell you that her real introduction, and I'm going to edit this a little bit for our show was I'm Sergeant Haley's wife, the a-hole. Oh, whoa. Like literally. And you know, for a while it was like, ha 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 ha. We still joke about it now, but and in the beginning it was kind of like, ha ha ha. Yeah, I am. And it was like, wait a minute. I am. But that's how everybody perceives me, and that's not how I want to be perceived. Oh. Um, yeah, so my wife saying this, and honestly, I don't really think she meant it in a mean way. My wife would never mean anything in a mean way. She's Canadian. Like, <laughs> she's going to apologize immediately. Uh, <laughs> but it did open my eyes a bit. Like, for my wife to go to an event, you know, a few of what we call them org days, I say, I'm sorry, Haley's wife, the a-hole. Like, 
So that, I, yeah, when you were saying that, that made me think of that story. Yeah, no, and <laughs> and you definitely now when you think back, and even when she probably thinks back, um, there there's probably an emotional connection to that, right? Like maybe uh, you know, I wonder if I really uh, you know offended somebody, or no, not even offended, but but if 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 somebody actually felt like they couldn't approach me anymore because I've announced that what I am type thing when I'm nearly not that, you know, it's. Oh no, they couldn't. They, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sorry to interrupt you, but so they would come to our office to do a dispatch and we had a van that we used to dispatch out of. And, uh, uh, when I was the NCOIC, the guy in charge, they would literally open the door, look in the van, see me and be like, I'll come back. Uh, they would wait for me not to be present or if for a soldier to be right there where they can be like, Hey, I need this dispatch. So that was the kind of influence, negative influence that I had. They would rather not even do whatever the task was. They come in the office with me in there. And, and, and it didn't really occur to me until much later uh, that that was that kind of an issue. And it shouldn't have been. Now, if you're my friends, uh, people I hung out with, they would come in there. They didn't care, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because they knew you, you know, and, but that, that's the thing. Their perception of you was not that it was much different. Yeah. Yeah. True. Wow. That's, that's, I mean, I'm, I'm glad you brought that. That's a great example. Um, uh, but all right, so let's move on then to number three, uh, be seen or considered as a leader gain acceptance. Before I read the rest of this article, what does that make you think of Ed? So you uh, are one of many that has done this with me throughout my career. Uh, I told a story before when I was with the engineer unit that as a sergeant E5, I used to go eat dinner and hang out with the sergeant first classes, the E7s. So you're talking about two levels up from me. And they never treated me like I was less than them. They always treated me at the same kind of respect that they treated each other respect ish. Cause you know, they make jokes with each other and, but they always treated me like that. And, uh, and I think that's what the, I think of when I read the article and I saw this, that's what I thought of is, you know, I had an NCO tell me always make them treat you like you're like, you have more rank than you do. And, uh, and, and that's what this is. It makes me think, Oh, when you said that, it makes me think of, uh, that saying, uh, where the outfit that you, that you want the, for the job you want. And then that guy's wearing a Batman suit. <laughs> I don't know why I thought of that. that was that's so my stupid. first. That's going to be my first interview when I retire. I'm going to wear a Batman costume. <laughs> that'll, be, that'll be awesome. Yeah. yeah I, I'm interviewing at Warner Brothers, though. Oh, there you go. Uh, so I'm going to read through this, this part of the article, and then we're going to discuss a little bit more. All right. So the advantage of leadership presence to be seen as a leader or to be considered a leadership material is the hearing ears and willing hearts, receptive people ready to hear what the leader has to say. Uh, when the opportunity is used purposefully, it opens the door to lead people towards shared vision and mutual agreed goals. When presence is built purposefully and consciously on the foundations of authenticity, the connection established and credibility earned it expands the and deepens a leader's and manager's circle of influence. So when I read that very first part, I automatically thought of leadership capital, paying the bill for leadership capital. <laughs> would, uh, would you would you agree with that? I mean, let me take a look at it again just to make sure. Yep. 
uh, O'Leary's material. Yeah, no, this is it. Receptive people are receptive leader. Are people are receptive to that leader, and they want to hear what he has to say because he's built that presence. They they know that guy is a leader. That guy or girl is the leader. I want to be one day. Yeah. No, I think that is pretty good example right there. Yeah. And it, that, I mean, when I think about it, it's just, as soon as you, you know, you know, that being seen and considered as a leader, that's kind of one of that, that whole, when you pay that, when you pay the bill for that leadership capital, that's how that all, you know, goes about. Um, let me continue on having interpersonal and social skills. See right there, that, that keyword interpersonal, Yeah, interpersonal <laughs> and social skills. Those two are very, those two are, com- are combined to me. And I think we're going to, to tell you the truth, Ed, I think we're going to end up doing something about interpersonal social skills at some point and dealing with influence because along with emotional intelligence, those types of things, um, they create better teams. Yes, I, I completely agree with you on that. that. They're very important to the team building process. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So... <clears throat> Having interpersonal social skills that enable a leader to connect with people at both emotional and rational levels, that is when leadership presence transcends from presence as a mere perception first impression or image projected to collaborative relationships that lead to better business outcomes. Leadership presence built on trust and credibility earned through values demonstrated, the vision articulated, and competence displayed can be sustained for a long duration. I, I that, that very last sentence, that to me speaks like mountains. What do you got, man? Well, so I was going to highlight the last sentence. So when, you, when we read the first part and we said, hey, that's kind of leadership capital, I agreed, but not as much as I agree. That last sentence is, I mean, we could have just done the show and said, hey, we're going to talk about leadership capital and read that last sentence and show's over. Like, that's it right there. Exactly. And, I mean, when I, I mean, just those those things, man. Like, so presence built on trust and credibility earned. Trust and credibility earned. So I've done something that has enabled somebody to trust me with maybe their emotions, their, 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 whatever it is, whatever they, you know, would it be a younger soldier that wants to bring me their problems and ask me to help them? To me, at some point down the road, there has been trust and credibility earned for that. Now, in our line of work, we, it's not that we require it, but we kind of require them to come to us when they have an issue so we can help them through that. Uh, but I can tell you right now, I've met many a people that will not go to their leader with their issues. They'll go to somebody else. Have you seen that before? Oh, I've been the, I've been to somebody else and I've been the not, of course, you know, so some of mine wasn't necessarily the leadership, but I, you know, my, my, my particular job in the military as a quartermaster is a female dominated job. So sometimes they're not comfortable coming to a male. So I've had that, but I've, I've had people be like, you know, especially early, Hey, I can't talk to this dude. Let me go over here. Uh, the other thing. So when you're reading that, that last sentence, right? I just thinking, so I get here to this unit and I'm on a detail. So we actually watch the lady. There's a, a local national that cleans the latrines and we watch her clean the latrines. Uh, and this new guy comes down the hall. And as he gets closer, I see he's a sergeant major. 
And he says, hey, Sarn, how's it going? What you doing? I tell him. He says, oh, what do you do here? And I told him where I work. And he says, oh, are you a quartermaster? I said, yeah. So he asked me my my military occupation, especially. I told him, he said, that's what I am. And for the next 35 minutes, this dude mentored me. First time I met him. Never met him before. Uh, and he, he mentored you right on the spot. Never met him before. He just immediately on the spot started mentoring me. And now as the promotion board approaches for me, he has seen my records a few times. He has demanded to see my picture after I take it this week. Uh, not optional. He volunteered to, to help administer my physical fitness test for the board file. But I've only known this guy now a couple months, but his he had just got to the unit. I had just got to you a little bit before him and immediately in a mentorship, right? That is leadership presence. That built trust and it gave him credibility to me because now I look at him and I'm like, okay, this dude really cares about subordinate soldiers regardless of who they are. He doesn't even know me. And I'm still a senior non-commissioned officer, but he still took time to mentor me. And then I see him mentoring others uh, with their military occupation, especially uh, not relevant. He'll mentor, you know, the young E4s, which we don't have many around where I work, but he'll mentor people. And that that's credibility, man. That's leadership capital. He's got it in me. If he said, hey, Sergeant Haley, I need you to do this, I'm going I'm to do it. That's just what he built. If you think about it, what we just said in that last sentence, values demonstrated. I think he demonstrated values of people, other people first type mentality. Yeah. Uh, Vision articulated. Uh, He's basically explained to you what needed to be done. He's he's like he came out the shoot with a, hey, how are you? You know, like he wants to be a part of somebody else's uh, life professionally. Um, and to me, as a leader, um, at, at the levels that w- you and I are at now, like to, that's that's vision all day long. That's what we that's what we're constantly trying to do. Because it's like our job is no longer to be the worker bee, but instead, how do we get the you know the 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 next level down? Or or I won't, I don't like to say down because they're not down from us, but you know that <laughs> those around us to progress to our level. That's a vision articulated. And then competence displayed. The The fact that he would approach you like that and, and to display all that stuff and to try to get you to uh, to, to make your records better and, and to want to mentor you, I mean, right, all day long, man, competence. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. obviously, if he if he approached you and all of a sudden he sounded like Mike Tyson and, and he constantly uh, he was making no sense when he was talking, well, we may rethink this relationship. Yeah, no, and here's the here's the little piece of irony, just funny. My wife's supervisor was his first non-commissioned officer in the army. That's our majors. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, she works for his first, and he was only going to do his four years and get out the army. And here he is now, uh, you know, E9, Sergeant Major, uh, still going. Uh, I want to say he's at 16, 17 years. That's awesome. Oh, wow, yeah. man. That's it just, I don't know. It's, it's something to say about that, you know? Yeah. All right, so you want to go through uh, what you can do to establish the presence uh, when it comes to leadership? Yeah, yeah. So the first one, I'm actually going to give you an example of the first one first, Brian. So we, we in process and we get security badges and what have you, and there was a young soldier there, and, you know, he was nice. I spoke to him. I asked where he was from. That's just 
how I've tried to become. I'm becoming more of a sociable person. And then the soldier is a map uh, maker by trade in the military. And he's asking about certain areas that we operate in because he's updating maps for the general. So I give him this information. And then I see on the first of this month that the soldier got promoted to sergeant, brand new leader. And I congratulate the soldier. I shake his hand and I tell him, this is what I want you to do. I want you to look up the book, the three meter zone. And I want you to uh, consider purchasing this book. I said, I promise you that that book will give you the tools to succeed as a brand new sergeant. And the soldier took out his notepad. It's old school, right? He took out his notepad and he wrote it down. So I think that that is this first one of what we can do to establish presence. Take a conscious effort to connect with people through visions, values, openness, and mutual appreciation. Um, and really, I'm going I'm to hit both of them at once because it also goes into seeking a coach or mentor. Presence can be developed and influence can be deepened through personal reflection, coaching, and practice. So I'm not saying he's going to say, hey, I want to go see Sergeant Haley for some mentorship, but he knows that it's available. He knows I'm open to that. And I think that helps to establish a presence. That soldier's not my MOS. He doesn't even work in my section. He's just in the same building. And I just observed him every day. And I was like, hey, this guy got promoted. So I think that's uh, a big one. Yeah. Does, does he pay you for your services or what's what's going on here? Does he pay me? No, no, he doesn't pay me. And uh, he doesn't even work in the security office no more. So he can't even update my badge or anything. Uh, I have no uh, professional interactions with him as far as like what we do for the organization at all. Just passing in the hallway. And uh, I've noticed that ever since I helped him with the map thing, every time I see him, soldier speaks to me and I speak to him. Uh, uh, and that's exactly, so I, and that's where I was getting with, with that is, you know, a lot of people confuse this whole, oh, well, I got to get a coach, I got to get a mentor and all stuff like that. And I got to pay somebody to do this. A lot of times, you know, that's the thing is you don't have to do that. There are cheaper ways to go about things to kind of help better yourself and better the organization and whatnot. You know, it, it, it could be as simple as, you know, just introducing yourself, you know, with another person and, and asking them, hey, would you mind being, you know, an unofficial mentor or something like that? You know, it's, it's to me, that's a quintessential part of not only for the leader, but also for the person who wants to become a leader, you know, it's creating those connections, those bonds. And you'd be, I mean, let, let's just throw it this way. We don't pay the bearded ninja for any of his mentorship, you and I, but he has given nope. us so much. I mean, I still, I still message back and forth with him on the Facebook messenger all the time. And some of it's, some of it's jokingly, some of it's, you know, just like a, Hey, I vent to him. And then he replies back to me. But to me, that's, I mean, that's part of that. That's that, you know, finding that coach, that mentor. And I will always, I mean, I'll always consider him as such, but, you know, I'll bring up a situation with him and say, Hey, you know, this blah, 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 blah. Um, or I, I told him, I told him about some things that were happened here and he, he'll wisecrack back, but you know, it kind of helps me realize that at some point I'm, I'm not crazy for thinking X, Y, and Z, you know, he's helping me. Oh yeah. So yeah. What, do you, what do you, what do you say? Um, well, we had a soldier come there when I was still teaching the instructor course and uh, she's actually gone through a name change to kind of give you an idea who it is. Same, same military occupational, especially as me. Uh, 
And, uh, I mean, I'd like to think it was my presence, but I'm going to tell you that within the first week of her being there, she came in my office and said, sorry, Haley, will you be my mentor? <laughs> I was like, what? I, who are you? Wait a minute. And, uh, it really, it really warmed up my little heart that after a week, this staff sergeant was like, staff sergeant promotable now was like, Hey, I want you to be my mentor. And then the other staff sergeant that was in that class with her, um, she also came behind her and says, Hey, can you mentor me too? I've never had one. Like, no, but, but there's a reason why they sought you out like that though. You know what I'm saying? And I, yeah, we, and I actually reviewed one of them's board file this year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we could go we could go back to the very first thing that we talked about, and it's knowing yourself and showcasing your uniqueness. And I'm pretty sure that's part of the reason why they requested that from you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and some of it, to me, I think presence can be instinctive. I don't think you have to be like, all right, I'm going to have a good presence. I'm going to have a good... Yeah. I think sometimes it just you just do it, and you don't even... Like, when she first asked me, my real response was like, why me? And it wasn't me being like, I don't want to do this. It's extra work. It was just like, I didn't understand on such a short time frame how she established that that's what she wanted. And, um, you know, and going back to, so one of my biggest mentors is a carpenter in the military, uh, engineer world, nothing to do with my job. Well, his wife was the same, but but he's been my mentor for years. This guy has told me, hey, you need to do this. You need to do that. You know, you, I look at you as a mentor. Yeah, we're friends. Yeah, one day hopefully we'll be peers uh, as far as the rank structure. But I know that if I have a difficult situation, I know that there are certain things that are your uh, wheelhouse or expertise that I could come to you and be like, hey, I'm having this situation and get some guidance. I can show you how to do a mean DA6 if you want. Well, I'm going to have to talk to you later about managing captains. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, that's a tough one. Uh, you can have to seek somebody else. Um, now, you know, the crazy thing is, is you, you mentioned that. it's. I think it. we both seek the same thing from each other, whether, you know, because, I mean, you one, you've been in the Army longer than I have. Uh, you've been living lo- lo- a, a lot longer than I have. So you have a lot more experiences than I have versus and maybe I've been put in certain positions that you may not have had yet. So it's like we it's almost like we're each other's coach and mentor in a sense. And then and then I would take this show in itself to me is also a way that we're able to kind of, you know, banter back and forth and like help each other. I mean, goodness, usually before the show starts, we talk. I mean, I think we talk for a half hour today. You know, and we we talk multiple times each time before the show starts to just kind of it's kind of like we just, you know, gathering information and, and, and having, you know, chit chat. Well, you know, just about life. But to me, yeah, also yeah. the same for me. I mean, you gave me you gave me a book to look up before the show started <laughs> and a show to watch. Both things that oh, I yeah. want to both things I want to learn from. Right. So, uh, you know, it and it earlier I and, and that's another thing I want to jump back on what you said earlier about. You can't see the whole thing about presence is you can't try to have presence. You can try to do all these other things that we're talking about. And then that creates presence, but there at no point in time can anybody try to have presence and have it. That's the, that's the misconception. And that's what we're trying to kind of like go over is, all right. So if you do these different things, then you'll have a presence. 
But if you ignore what we're saying and you're constantly trying to just, well, I'm just trying to be the, you know, the, the quintessential person within this organization and have presence. Well, if that's what you're trying for, then you're going to fail, period. You can't try for presence. And that, when you said that, or I just like, I felt a spark ignite within my chest, <laughs> almost, you know, almost like, I don't know. It was like my leadership inner self was like just going off because I know people who try to have a presence and that's their whole goal. And I, to me, I'm like, you can't do that. To me, that's ego taking over <laughs> like we spoke of earlier. Um, that's a lack of responsibility where it needs to be. And overall, you're actually forgetting about what is truly important. And that's the people that you're with. Man. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, no. I work with a person. Man. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. So, and, and honestly, when people try to force a presence, you immediately pick up. It's not genuine. And then you immediately start ignoring it. Like, it doesn't take very long before you're like, yeah, no. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. And it's uncomfortable, too. Yeah. It's completely uncomfortable. Like, you literally are like, okay, how do I get out of this situation? Yeah. Or how do I how do I get out of this conversation? I I don't know how many times I've been that way. Yeah, no, absolutely. So for some reason, this is really way out there reference, but I just thought of the dude on Family Guy who goes, "You're a phony. You're a phony." <laughs> and I think when a leader <laughs> forces presence, somebody should be allowed to walk behind them and say, that. "No, I'm just kidding. You can't do that." <laughs> it would be funny though. It would be funny. You're a phony. Yeah. You don't have presents. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's definitely a funny way to go about it. Like, yeah. of course, you know what? I, I need that. I need that internal guy sometimes that would say it. Hey, stop being, you know what I mean? Like, okay. You really shouldn't have said that. You're a phony. No. Um, so we're going to jump to the next one. Number four. Uh, it talks about influence people and accomplish goals. This whole show is since the beginning, since day one, has been about influence. It will continue to be about influence, even though if we go on other types of topics and stuff, it's always going to come back to the influence we have as leaders or as community uh, builders or as parents or as you know uh, peers. No matter what, it, it's always going to be about influence. The funny thing, people, um, I would definitely say is people often they confuse the fact that if I'm not if I'm not in charge of you, then I'm not leading you. Um, to me, that's the biggest misconception whatsoever. Uh, two equal peers who, to you know, in, in, in a sense, they should always be equal as people, but maybe in rank, it may be different. But two equal peers can always influence each other to do the right thing. I say this. I say this because I talked about John Rogers not too long ago again. Um, and I talked about uh, Joshua Bryan. Um, and, and it was in it was in another, another episode previously. I say this because, well, Joshua Brown was never my peer, but he always treated me like a peer. John Rogers was always my peer, and he treated me like a peer. But the both of them constantly influenced me to want to be a better person, you know, as as a non commissioned officer in the United States Army. So I, I just. As soon as I think about this, influence people and accomplish goals, like that's it, just comes to mind. Like people like them. Uh, let me let me read this section and then let's discuss it. Ed, uh, intentional influence impacts business results by driving behavioral change, 
by changing attitudes and actions of people inside and outside of the organization. Intentional influence using interactions effectively can shape both understanding and expectation as a, a, as a result, move parties towards the shared vision, mutually acceptable goals and agreement. Lead people to action that benefits everyone involved. Uh, let's go on a little bit further. Uh, getting people to listen, leadership presence is just the first step. It is the intentional influence that leads to actions and results in accomplishments. Influence happens through in interaction. Intentional influence is not a one-way traffic driven by an influencer's agenda. Rather, it is about creating a climate of openness by breaking barriers. Openness to listen makes others listen to you. In that interaction and dialogue, intentional influence is possible. Man, that so those two small paragraphs that I just read, I mean, they speak like just they speak a ton about influence. And what I love about the key words that they put in there was that intentional influence. What are you thinking? I'm really I'm really caught up on this getting people to listen. Leadership presence is just the first step. It is, it is the influence inf, intentional influence that leads to action and results and accomplishment. I, I getting people to listen and then it tells you later on if I'm open to listening then those people are going to be uh, open to listen to me. And that's how you, I mean, it really is telling you how it's giving you the formula for how to get people to listen to you and how to reach that shared objective, goal, whatever words you want to put on that. And that really stands out in this paragraph to me. So in the Army, we do formations all the time. And we have leaders who get in front of those formations. Now, what is said in front of that formation might not always be something that a person agrees with or that a person actually finds to be of importance. To me, I picture what was said, what, what I just read there, that's what I picture. Okay, I picture if I was to put a people in a formation, so that's that getting to listen, leadership presence is just the first step. So I'm getting them ready to listen. That's just the first step. Now, I have to use... Uh, charisma. I have to use uh, you know, some types of persuasion. I have to have some, you know, I will have a presence with that to show intentional influence to get them to do what's right. You know, we do safety briefs all the time. Uh, mm. And for those of you who are not military and you're, you know, you're, you're not a part of the, uh, the army or anything where uh, safety briefs, it's, it's kind of one of those things where, you know, we are, we are a little bit more in depth when it comes to those who we work with, you know, our normal nine to five job, you're probably not wondering what somebody's doing for the weekend, unless you're friends with them or not. You just, you come to work, you work, and then you go home and then you may talk about it throughout the week, what you did, but we actually have to get involved. So one of the things we do to try to kind of, you know, as risk mitigation as a leader is we talk to people genuinely about what they're doing with their lives, because, you know, you think about it, the, in the United States Army, we're pulling kids in straight out of high school, anywhere from high school and older. Um, you're talking about these are the same type of people, the same age group of people that are leaving their home for the first time to go to college and then turn into, uh, and then they end up having issues and maybe dropping out of school, turn into binge drinkers and stuff like that. So you're talking about the same lot of people. So you're going to have risk. 
Um, and to me, being able to get them formed up and get them ready to t- and get ready to talk to them, I better have a good message. I'd be able to. Pre- I'd be able to. I need also. I need to be able to open up that the 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 uh, communication traffic. I don't think it should be just one way. You will do this. You will do that. How about we open up to two ways? What are some good things we can take about what we can do this weekend? What are some bad things we could work uh, we could work on to create good? You know, things like that. Openness to listen. So this is the this is the key part. When the formation's over, we walk away. Do I just walk away and anybody that tries to walk up to me and talk to me, I ignore them and go on my own merry way? Or do I stand there and I listen to every single person that wants to talk to me? To me, that's openness to listen to what they had to say. Because sometimes people don't want to say something in that big group. Mm-hmm. They don't want to talk about a certain instance. But at the end, they may want to come to that person who was speaking and say something. Uh, do you think I'm reaching too far there, Ed? What are you thinking? No, I mean, the only the only issue I have with the example is, you know, the formation thing is kind of a forced function. But then you went on and you explained it a little bit more and made it make better sense. I, I thought it was a good example, Brian, overall. Um, I like the hang around and listen or walk around and listen to everybody at the end. Because, it, you know, there are times I've been there and wanted to, you know, ask a question and be like, well, I don't want to seem like I'm silly. So I'll wait, you know. Um, and that openness, that openness to listen. Yeah, that's I, th- I think it's important because it tells people if they're willing to listen to me, then I should be willing to listen to them. And uh, yeah. Yeah. If you think about it, let's go back to where um, in the in the very first paragraph that I read, it talked about uh, move parties towards a shared vision and mutually accept goals and agreements. So what we're trying to do is when you're communicating, we're trying to get a shared vision of what should be the outcome. And then, hey, this is a goal set for you. Let's try to reach that, that type of thing. Does that make sense there? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. So for me, my example briefly would be, I had a guy I worked for and he had me standing in the back of a formation, in formation, and... I spoke to him, so I went to speak to him about it, and he was willing to listen to what I had to say. He let me speak my piece. Well, what that told me is, okay, so he's listening, he's paying attention to me, now let me hear his rebuttal to what I said. And then when he gave his rebuttal, it made sense. So because he listened to me, it didn't become confrontational, I listened to him, and then we came to a shared understanding of what his objective was for that action. And I know the listeners have heard this story several times and know that that guy is Brian. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, I mean, and and I could have, I mean, I could have reacted differently too. When you wanted to speak about it, I could have said, "No, listen to me, Ed," or I would have said it differently. I was like, "No, listen <laughs> to me, Haley. You're going to stand back there and you're going to keep your mouth shut and you're not going to say anything and do what I told you." You know that different reaction. <laughs> You would have you, you would have reacted differently with me too, right? Oh yeah, <laughs> I'd have probably got in trouble. I don't know. I... <laughs> but but <laughs> that's the thing, though. That's creating that presence. Um, that if you knew you could come speak to me, and and in any case, like I I hate. I mean, I I'm actually I'm uh I'm embarrassed to say this, but I'm not. In my own life, not in personal and professional, I've not always been that way. Where somebody can just talk to me when you know 
Frank or, or just come by and see me, you know, I'm, I'm definitely not one of those people that you, hey, you try to call me out in front of a bunch of people. Cause I'm not going to do that to you. Well, I used to, but not anymore because I, I, I actually think that, you know, that idea of the praise in public punish in, in private type situation. I, I actually, I, I truly believe that works, you know? And when I say punish in private and also and i don't like like that word punish to me it just sounds so bad times um it's maybe reprimand cor- in private. Yeah, or, or, or corrective actions or, or just you know something to help help them in private instead you know what i mean instead of punish uh, it's just but that's what i think of but let's hey let's get into um how to become an intentional influencer why don't you give us that uh, those tidbits Use the right mix of influence strategies to have an effect and get an appropriate response. So what do you think that means, uh, Brian? What do you think he's trying to get at right there? Use the right mix of influence strategies to have an effect and get an appropriate response. Because I feel like we probably talked about this already. Oh, we have. Uh, You think about the right mix of influence strategies. So there are multiple ways to go about things. You don't have to keep, if you peel an apple a certain way, you don't have to keep peeling an apple the same way. You can peel an apple multiple ways. You, you know, you can cut it down the middle a couple times and then peel it off, or you can peel it around in a circle or you can peel it straight down. You know, there's multiple ways to get the apple peeled if that was the goal. But if you're peeling an apple and I, and then I come to you and say, Hey, no, I needed the peelings on it. Well, I may, maybe I didn't understand the intent. So I think about the influence strategy, mix of influence strategies, that comes down to me understanding who I'm talking to and how I should try to talk to them. If, if we constantly have that same mentality of just being forceful, being brutally honest, and, and you need to be honest, but there's a difference between honest and brutal honest, brutally honest. Those are the type of people that are just so honest that it, it almost seems like they, they are pleasured by proving somebody wrong or correcting someone. And that's, to me, that doesn't work. Um, and then it says right there, uh, started to have an effect and get an appropriate response. If I want, let's say I wanted you to do something, Ed. If I want you to do it, I'm not going to, I know for a fact, I'm not going to walk up to you and say, Ed, you're going to go do this and you're going to do it right now. That's not going to get the right response, <laughs> right? But if I walk up to you and say, hey, listen, uh, so there's this mission we need to get done. One, I, I said we. Right, I use those words that we need to get done, and we is normally meaning you know the organization, uh, and I'm going to need your help. So once again, I'm going to need your help. We. So what I'm doing, I'm creating this group idea. I'm going to need your help. Uh, will you? Are you going to be available during this time to do X, Y, and Z? So a lot of times, even if you don't want to do it, you feel more obligated to do it just because of the way it was presented to you, right? Right. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. I think the presentation makes a huge difference and getting somebody to do something, getting that buy-in. Yeah, I, I could agree with that. And that's, and that's, that's, to me, that's the proper strategy for that to get the appropriate response. The response I'm looking for was that you get something done that I'm, I'm seeking. Okay. So what else you got? Uh, build trust and give a compelling reason. Avoid mistakes that hurt you in the long run. So for me, this right here, you know, you got to build trust within your soldiers. So basically, we're, we're, or your subordinates or whichever. I, for me as a leader, 
I want to build that trust in them, right? And I want them to follow me. And I can't tell them on Friday at that safety brief to don't drink and drive. And then they watch me drink a pint of Guinness and get in my car and drive away. I, I, that that's that mistake that's going to hurt you in the long run. And then when you get caught, it's an even bigger mistake that's going to hurt you in the long run because there's going to be other repercussions. But once they see you do something that you're telling them don't do, you've lost them. You've lost that trust. You've lost your leadership capital. And that's what that kind of reads to me. Oh, yeah. I, I completely agree. I basically don't be a hypocrite Yeah, is what it says to me. Yeah. If you're a hypocrite, you're going to lose people automatically. Avoid mistakes that hurt you in the long run. That's the, to me, that's the same thing, though, as when I said earlier is if, if I'm asking you to do certain things a certain way, I'm actually avoiding mistakes that could hurt me in the wrong. Because if I, if I get you to buy into something I need from you and I do it in a, in a way that's more persuasive than forceful, maybe next time I won't even have to say something. You may come by and say, hey, uh, hey so we knocked that out. Is there anything else you need? Or is there something else we can do to try to, you know, to help the organization? You know what I'm saying? So what we do is we create this relationship and people want to be around you or want to do things for you. Um, well, you know, and I, I don't know. It's just, to me, that's what it feels like. But yeah, I definitely agree with that. Don't be a hypocrite. That's, that's key. Uh, appropriately use influence process and power bases to have an effect. This one's, yeah, because I mean, in our career, we've seen people with a power base to some of some sort, and we've seen it get abused over and over and over. And what kind of impact does that really have on that on that team, that squad, that whatever? Right? It it's not a positive effect. We know it. Um, you know, I've been parts of teams like that where that that one person has this power and they just abuse it. So, what do you think? Mm. Uh appropriate use uh influence process power base i would definitely say when people abuse that it creates a negative motivation uh people don't want to be around those individuals they don't they don't want to do anything for them and and basically it just kind of creates a like a dreary atmosphere Mm. Uh, you and i have both been a part of stuff like this (laughs) um and it's been in both places that we work together and in both instances, there were people that were, um, how do I say this, let go because of that, just because that they they abused their power base. Now, how do we appropriately use our power base, like in the positive? To me, that's, I think, I think that's what's also key, because you can abuse it, you can use it, or you can. Uh, Go above or beyond with it. So and use it even. Let more. me ask you this, Brian: Is it possible to use your power base without using your power base? So um, I think so. I do because so for me, this is what I think is critical. I think okay, I have a power base. I'm a sergeant first class in the military. I'll rank every staff sergeant and below in the entire military. Do I need to say that? No, they know. Nope. They know no, I'm in charge. My actions, my presence, my influence, that's my power base. I don't need to thump my chest and go, I'm in charge. I'm in charge. Haley smash. Haley in charge. That's unnecessary. So I think you can use, it's important to understand how to use your power base without letting it be known you're using your power base. 
Yeah. And you know, another, another good way of that too is definitely what you said. And then on top of the adding to it is, is, Hey, I saw Jim, uh, do X, Y, and Z. Uh, I would really like to have that individual in charge of this project over here or this task over here. Um, so everybody, if you would, you know, send the right people, let's get the support he needs so he can accomplish that mission. Yeah. To me, that's also, you know, a, a, a form of kind of like, it's almost like you're um, displacing, or not displacing, but you're uh, you're reallocating your power base to someone else so they can accomplish something, which intent is an intentional influencer in a sense. Oh yeah, yeah, no, you're definitely you can delegate that. You know, uh, the leader doesn't have to be the senior person. You know, I, I learned that. Oh, no. I don't have to be the top guy. I don't have to be the highest ranking person to be a leader. Uh, in an organization, whether it be military or civilian, I don't, you know, I could, you know, talent management go by. So my, I have a supervisor, but I'm really good at this aspect of the job. He may lean on me to lead a project that's focused on that aspect of the job. Now, is he going to have oversight? Absolutely. Is he going to want to understand what's going on? Absolutely. But he's going to let go of some of the leadership side for that because he recognizes this is his talent. This is where he'll be great at. Brian's good over here, but he's not so good in this. So even though Brian's senior, I'm going to have, you know, Schmuggatelli run it. So I think that's mm-hmm. important. Yeah. Understand that talent management is part of it. It's just finding, you know, figuring out, hey, what you should and shouldn't do. Um, if, and this is a simple rule with this is if you have to announce who you are, mm. then you're really not that important. Absolutely. If you have to announce who you are, then you're really not that important. You don't have that much influence that you might think you have. Um, I mean, <laughs> I, how many how many times have you met people like that? Oh yeah, I just thought about horrible bosses. <laughs> when the father when <laughs> yeah. the father dies and the son comes in, and he's like, "I'm in charge. I'm in charge. Fire that person. Fire this." It's like, who does that? And, and who would follow that guy? So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now I think that's why that 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 movie, uh, both well, both of them are so far fetched. You're like, are you kidding me? There's really people. But the funny thing is, is I've never worked in the civilian sector except for like prior to high school and stuff. Um, there are people like that out there, from what I gather. I so. do believe so too. <laughs> yeah. All right, so we're gonna move on uh, to the last area, the last part of this before we close out the show. Um, so the last, the fifth part is enlarge the circle of influence 360 degrees. So let me read through this, and we're gonna uh, jump into discussion on it. Presence and influence built on authenticity and credibility opens doors to people. Building strong collaborative relationships at all levels, uh, customers, employees, and hierarchies expand a leader's and manager's circle of influence and enable leaders to accomplish shared goals through people, building trusting relationships and enhanced interactions across hierarchical levels and lateral boundaries through explaining your point of view and listening to understand others help leaders and managers to build collaborative partnerships and enlarge the circle of influence. Now that was a lot of big words. Um, and then I had to, as I'm reading it, I had to dumb it down in my own brain. <laughs> and all I, all I kept getting out of it is like, the more you include others to be a part of the team or to be collectively a part of the, the overall goals, the more you're creating influencers. 
So uh, I, I remember some time back, I gave an example about, uh, it was, matter of fact, I, I know when it was, it was when we interviewed uh, Rick Williams, the bearded ninja. <laughs> and I, and we talked about like all that he's done across, you know, the services, uh, everything from when he was in to when he got out, you know, he did the GRTC thing. Now he's at the NCU Academy. Before that, he was a drill sergeant. I mean, all over the place. Right. And I mentioned, I said, I said, you don't realize it. You're like this rock. They got thrown into a pond. It creates waves. Now, depending on how big the waves are, it's going to go all the way to the edge. It always does. I think of that the same way, is enlarge the circle of influence 360 degrees. When you throw that rock in the water, it's creating this circle of influence, and it's just getting larger and larger and larger, and it's going to continue that way. Uh, I, I say be the rock that creates the waves needed. But at the same time, you don't want to make too big a waves because it, it, it may not be, it may be disruptive once it reaches the end. If that makes sense. It's kind of like they talk about like the erosion of waves um, on the edges of, you know, say the ocean or, you know, the, the waves keep crashing into it. It erodes. Now, obviously when you're a rock, you're thrown in the pond, it's not going to create such a large wave that erodes the outsides of the pond. But if you make a big enough wave, if you're a big enough rock, eh, maybe all the water disappears. You know, <laughs> it. That's that's kind of where I'm going with that. So, what do you got, man? Yeah, I think that we uh, sometimes, as um, as influencers, people tend to focus straight ahead, that objective right in front of you. And I think this is really saying, like, you have to be aware of your circle of influence. Circle 360. You have to be all around an influencer. And you're and, and be aware of, um, you know, be aware of that and how to use it to accomplish, you know, your goals, your mission, your objective, what have you. Yeah, you know, you know what I felt to be was a key, there was a very key section there also was relationships at all levels, customers, employees, and hierarchies. So. We often forget when we're a part of an organization, whether it be civilian or not, we think of employees and hierarchies, right, to create this this um, culture within. And then we segregate that from whatever our customer is. Uh, and we don't realize that maybe we shouldn't segregate that. Maybe it should be because then what it does is if we include all of them within that relationship building, we create transparency. Transparency creates trust. Trust creates openness and togetherness. You see, so it's 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 that same that same thing I was thinking about. Um, for instance, in the army, uh, you've you've dealt with this many times, Ed. When you walk into a, um, let's say an orderly room, basically where they do a lot of our personal actions and whatnot, can you gauge the atmosphere by the way the person receives you? Uh, yeah, you kind of can't because first of all, you can always tell if they're upset with their job or if they don't like where they're at, which is probably mm -hmm. uh, a lot of times probably some kind of either a personal issue that day or it could be a leadership issue, especially if you go into an orderly room multiple times. So you, you can kind of gauge that. And then uh, sometimes you can gauge the organization too because I've been in some orderly rooms. And I'm like, this is disgusting. I can't believe somebody hasn't made y'all clean this up. Now, in ours, uh, I'm in a big organization, but in our orderly room, we have one soldier, 
And that soldier is always beaming and happy. And I told her one day, I said, you know, I like coming up here. I said, I don't come up here often, but I like coming up here. And I just like to walk in your office and say, good afternoon, good morning, because you're always in a great mood and it's very infectious. And when I leave here, I feel like my mood has shifted. That's who you want in your orderly room, right? That's who you want to be your impression. Because an orderly room is really your first impression of an organization. It's like your reception area in the civilian sector. You don't want that person who's grumpy pants and angry at your counter in a reception area to be the face of your organization. Oh, yeah. Oh, you know what? And that, that, that brings to mind. Like, think about that reception area, right? Or think about the order. If you walk in and they have the I'm better than you, uh, holier than thou type attitude, or, you know, like, well, what do you want now? Right? Mm-hmm. You tend to not want to deal with them. Well, let's say a reception area at a big business. If you say, hey, I'm here to see such and such, and they come back with, well, uh, he's busy all day. Uh, You'll have to come back some other time or try another time, right? Or let's flip that. If you walk into an orderly room and every time they see you, how can I help you? Just those simple words, how can I help Mm -hmm. you? And it's done in a a tone that is inviting. Or... At the same time, you walk into that same reception as you say, I really need to schedule an appointment with such and such. And they come up with, well, it looks to be that his schedule is full today, but let me see what I can do to try to work you in. If I can't get you in today, can we try again such and such time, Mm -hmm. right? So you're looking at different ways of going about things. But that to me, that's created by the culture that, that, that is bred from the top down. It's always, I don't... The top down has to create that culture. It's not going to come from the bottom up because at some point, somebody from the higher, you know, from higher than you, if you're trying to bring it up, will tend, you know, may knock it down. You know, I'm not saying it's going to happen that way, but sometimes it will. But if the top starts it and it spreads its way down, you know, through the hierarchy, it's going to create a wave of influence. So. I just that's what I thought of when you started talking about it. All right. So how are we going to expand and deepen our circle of influence, my friend? I have no idea. Won't you tell me? All right. <laughs> We're going to evaluate and discover personal dynamics that help or hinder your presence and influence. So really, so this circle of influence, I feel like if we go all the way back to the first steps, That's what this is, like self-awareness, self-regulation, understanding who you are. These are early steps in what we talked about today, and that's this. Evaluate and discover personal dynamics that help or hinder your presence and influence. What do you think? Oh, yeah, yeah, the personal dynamics that help or hinder. So knowing where your strengths and weaknesses are um, and capitalizing upon them, uh, you can, I mean, earlier we talked about, it was, I want to say it was, let me read it back up here. It talked about, uh, play to your advantage. I don't like that. Like you said, I don't like hearing somebody they're playing to their advantage. Cause it almost sounds like you're playing me for your advancement. That's what I hear when I hear, when I hear play to your advantage. Um, but knowing at times you kind of have to do that. You know, you kind of have to play to your advantage to be able to ensure that the situation uh, is conducive for everyone. You know, evaluate and discover personal dynamics. That's, I mean, that's, yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I, like I said, I mean, I, I think you should play to your strengths, but I don't think that's it. I think you should also challenge yourself and challenge your weaknesses, you know, as well. But yeah, this just even this next one. So this next one kind of plays into what we talked about. Be authentic, reach out and be open to people, build collaborative relationships at all levels. So we just, we were talking, you talked about very much on the importance of that communication. And and one thing I was thinking about, so let's talk about our man, Simon Sinek and the why let's go parallel within the organization, explain to them the why of my thought process. And then let's listen to their why, because their why may be like, Oh, you know what? I didn't even think of that. And then now let's go up and down and think about it. Let's explain our why to our subordinates. Let's explain our why across the uh, hierarchical levels to better the organization and build our circle of uh, influence. I'm going to steal your words. What say you, my man? (laughs) (laughs) I will tell you right now, being authentic, people will see through that in a matter of seconds. And really, it's all about how you present it. You know, how you uh, how you say things or how you act towards things. For instance, if I'm trying to be authentic with someone and I'm asking them about life or just maybe something that's going on, if I'm not paying complete attention to them, then I'm really being authentic about it versus if I'm sitting there and you're telling me these things and I'm just sitting there playing on my phone the whole time. Well, maybe it's going to it's going to create it's going to create a roadblock for reaching out because next time you probably won't be as uh is open to release information to me because you're like well why should i you don't pay attention anyways right um and then there are times where you kind of have to let somebody hey listen i'm listening to you but i also have to send this real quick unless you want to hold off let me send this then we can talk i mean Shoot, how many times that happened between you and I? Ed? I was just thinking that's one of your tactics right there. Like <laughs> Exactly. Because I know I, I have to make sure somebody knows that they're just as important as what's going on. But at the same time, I've also got a requirement that I have to meet or a suspense. Um you know, there are there are times what maybe the suspense is more is not as important as the individual that what the individual's saying, but sometimes, you know. I mean, they may, it may be a suspense that has to deal with, you know, life, uh, like real life occurrences that could, you know, could be detrimental to a group of people, you know? So it's, you gotta, you have to weigh your options. Okay. Yeah. I, I can agree with that. Yeah. And, and I, I would rather you be upfront and clear about that than to just have me sitting there talking and you're not listening. You know what I mean? Like I would rather you say, Hey, I'm yeah. sending this, just give me a minute and you know, and I'll be done. And then yeah, no, that that's much better. Well, with that, think about this way. It says build collaborative relationships at all levels with the relationship that you and I have built over the, over the past few years. If it wasn't set at a certain tone from the beginning, and just kept steamrolling, would we be doing this show? Ooh. Yeah, I probably not. I don't think. No, uh, yeah, probably I not. Mean, no. You really think about it. We, I mean, in a sense, you think about it. The relationship we've, we've, we've kind of forced upon each other, in a sense, but in a manner that was ple- you know, that was accepting and ple- in You know, it wasn't like I, I was just barging in all the time and making. No, but we constantly sought each other out 
It wasn't you just seeking me. It wasn't just me seeking you. It was constant. You know what I mean? And I, I, I would have to say that unless we were on leave, there wouldn't be a day that went by that we didn't have some type of conversation, whether it be five seconds or five hours, which I don't think we ever had time for five hours of conversation. Yeah, no. But, um, yeah, because even when I get, if I got released early, I would stop by and just poke my head in there. Or if I had a uh, 24 hour duty, you would come by duty. If I, you would come by the desk and, you know, poke your head in there to hide from work somewhere. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I, yeah, that's definitely true. And, and, and so if you think about that, and so I like to, I like to use examples like that um, in my own personal, my own personal way. Like, so I think, okay, well, how did I build this relationship with Ed? How did I go about this? And then I, I use that as like a template in my mind with maybe somebody else. Okay, so these are the things that went right with us. This is what enabled us to have a good relationship. So if I do the same thing with X, this person, this person, this person, well, they may not all receive it the same way. So I can only use a template of, uh, of communication and then it develops into what forms that relationship with that other person. And then we come to our final way to expand and deepen the circle of influence. Establish clarity on the source of your influence and use influence tools meaningfully. When I read this, I'm thinking like when we talk about establish clarity on the source of your influence, that goes right back to self-awareness, self-regulation, understanding where your influence comes from, understanding the strengths and weaknesses of your influence, and understanding how to employ your influence to better the organization. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And improve your presence. Oh, yeah. Establishing clarity on the source. The source. So how does it start? That's what I think of. And then tools, uh, use influence tools meaningful. Too often, people will try to <clears throat> use tools um, in a non-meaningful way. Uh, I just I just read, um, so I'm a part of a Facebook group. Uh, you, you can only be a part of it if you're like, a certain rank and stuff and or you're in a certain position. And in that Facebook group, there was an individual who said that it bothers him when people are name dropping. And they name drop to be a part of a conversation. Mm. instead of trying to be a source, a resource, um, or use their sources of influence for to create influencers or be instead they're trying to use this tool that they think is a tool of influence and it's not done in a meaningful way. You know, I mean <clears throat> you, you have somebody name drop, right? And say, Oh, well, yeah, yeah, you know what, when I used to work with such and such. Well, mm. that name dropping doesn't mean what does that does that credibility? I don't think so. Um, now, how many times now we have we have name dropped on here a couple of times of the individuals that are are influences to us that we've learned from, but that's a different type of name drop, right? If I if I if you and I name drop Jocko, right, as if we personally knew him, that to me is there's no meaning behind that because we don't know him. We're not a part of his life. He hasn't personally mentored us or taught us anything. Now. We can talk about the resources that we found about him, but not in the manner that is like is in a personal relationship. And I, I that's how I clarity uh, on the source of your influence. To me, those are the type of people that are very unclear, very wishy washy, 
and they don't use it in a meaningful way. What are you thinking? Yeah, well, first of all, uh, I just want you to know that my sister met Jocko this week. Uh, she attended one of his <laughs> uh, speaking, <laughs> one of his speaking engagements. First of all, I'm super jealous of my sister, but so oh, but what? she still can't name drop him because she met him. Yeah, but they didn't exchange email addresses or you know what I mean. Like so, still same idea. You can't just uh, she couldn't. I mean, she could name drop and say, well, she did. She said, hey, I'm waiting on my lunch, and then I'm going to listen to Jocko talk. And I was like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> she cut um, your attention really quick, huh? Yeah, I'm such a hater. I haven't talked to her since to see how it went because I'm afraid it went wonderfully, and he was an awesome dude. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it, I think you, you – Your sister listen, got to see your man crush. <laughs> <laughs> Next thing, she'll be listening to Marcus Luttrell speak somewhere. I'll be really mad. Oh, my God. Um, as an influencer, we we have tools that we use, but, you know, it's a double-edged sword. Like, all we, we talk about instinctive influencers, and we talk about influence all the time, but you could use them for evil. Uh, so it, it, you could use that influence to, to cause havoc. You could be bad, you know, detrimental to an organization with your influence, and I think that's why it's talking about here. Use influence tools meaningfully, not meanly, meaningfully. <laughs> so th that that's kind of the most important part of that, in my thoughts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, and I, I have to agree with this. It's meaningfully. It's it's interjecting those at the right point, the right time. And to tell you the truth, that takes time to learn and to understand. It really does. You can't just, you, you don't just know when to do things. It's just, you learn from mistakes, you pick yourself up and you try again. Now, could you burn bridges when you make those mistakes? Absolutely. I, I can tell you, I've, I've been very fortunate that I've had people that were very um, uh, respectful over the time, or, or they were also, they, they didn't weren't, um, they, they forgive and forget type situation. Because if not, like I just, I just seen a guy the other day. Uh, I, I knew him as a specialist and I was a sergeant and I, this is back when I was a total, I felt like a scumball towards people. Um, uh, and he treated me like we were good friends and I, and that like by shaking his hand and, and it wasn't just like the regular, you know, it was the bro hug type thing. It, I was going to ask, did you get a bro hug? Oh yeah, I did. And, but that made me feel good. Cause like I, I thought to myself, I was like, well, the last time you see, and that's literally the last time he seen me would have been in 2005. That was almost 14 years ago. I am a total different person from that. His mental image of me may, I hope is not still that 2005 person, but that's all he could know because that's all he's known to me. You know? So I didn't feel like it was me. You know, I wasn't very meaningful back then, but I, you know, now I hope to be, you know, cause like I wanted, I engage in conversation with him about his future and blah, blah, all this stuff. And, you know, and I try to be supportive and not in a, and not in a manner that's unauthentic, but actual authentic, like offering, if you need anything, let me know. I'll give you a hand, that type of thing. So it's, you, you'd be surprised. You could say that a ton of times of how many times people actually take you up on that offer. Yeah, because I think people think it's not necessarily genuine, and you really are being genuine, and so they just kind of, man, it, it's almost like they treat it like it's just a thing to say. You know what I mean? Like every time you leave an organization in the military, 
somebody tells you that. Oh, yeah. And it becomes, so it loses. It's like, you know, people say, oh, well, the term I love you has lost its meaning because it's used so frequently. It's the same thing with that. And if you need anything, just email me. People don't take you up because they don't, they don't really believe it's genuine because they've heard it every time they've changed unit. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Um, so we're going to finish this out, close it out. Cause this has been a rather lengthy one today. Um, use, yes. <laughs> using presence and influence leaders and managers can use numerous interactions and conversations that occur during the workday to influence employees, clients, and customers, colleagues, and even their boss to accomplish goals. I mean, that's, it's a simple statement. It's using that presence and influence to accomplish goals and you incorporate all those people. All right. I have a task. I'm going to give the task, but what do you have for the group before we go into that task? Uh, not much really. I want to thank everybody for their support though. Um, you know, everything's been great. You know, uh, the support, the downloads, Hey, we're like what six states short of all 50 states and we're a couple provinces short of all of Canada. So friends, family in the Canada area and the United States hey, really means a lot to us. I do want to get those other states and provinces. But yeah, hey, thank you so much for your support as we're moving forward. Uh, it makes us keep going. Yeah, you know what? Um, so one of those states I was kind of confused about is Louisiana. Like all the states around Louisiana, all that. that Louisiana is the only one that like in the south region that we don't have listeners. And I'm like, how is that even possible? But so if you're out there and you know somebody from Louisiana, get them listening. All right. Let's, let's, but then the rest of them are more like North Dakota, South Dakota, you know, uh, Montana, Idaho, those, those (laughs) ones. Uh, But it's just, it's crazy. And uh, just today I was looking at it and and I'm I'm glad you brought that up because I am just, we're, um, so as of this show, like as this show airs, I know we're going to well be beyond it. But as of the date today, I can say we're right at the cusp of 2000 downloads and we've not been going f- well. Yeah. We've been going for right at three months now as of now. So obviously if you listen to the show, you realize, so this show will probably end up airing uh, about a month or so down the road or two months down the road. Uh, but we're at three months and we got two, a little, right at 2000 downloads all around the world. I saw one from, there was a couple there's some from South Africa. There's some from, um, uh, we're talking, uh, there were, well, Germany, obviously you, you and your wife are there, uh, <laughs> Malaysia. Uh, I think we even had a download in Russia. Uh, I'm not really sure who would listen to us there, but, um, I, I got some people, <laughs> your wife, no, I do your, your wife. Yeah. I, I, yeah. We have some friends who are, they're American now, but they're originally from Russia. So who knows? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. It's just, so I, it's, I think you're right, man. Like the, the support, has just been just unbelievable and all the different comments and it's just, it's, it's definitely, it, I would never say it's overwhelming cause it's not. I just, at times, I don't know how you feel about it, but there's times I wish we could do more. You know what I mean? Like this, if this was a full-time business and we could run it like that, oh man, this, I'm telling you, we could go just out of the park with it. <laughs> Yeah, it's been it's it's been a heck of a ride so far, and I've got some ideas, and Brian's got some ideas, and I mean we're 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 lagging on the POI right now, but we are working on building a uh, library, and I'm actually going to 
kind of mess with my format for mine to try something different too. So that's coming. Like these things are, are awesome. And, and speaking of the POI, if you have some ideas for somebody you'd like to hear discussed it, disgusted, ah, discussed <laughs> on the POI, I'm drop us that. a line, drop us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Drop us a line. Let us know. Uh, you know, we talked about some influential guys today in the beginning of the show. I talked about John Cena super, uh, you know, it has a lot of influence and really helps a lot of people. So uh, somebody like that, but yeah, drop us a line, keep supporting us, spread the word. Let's get Louisiana. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to Louisiana. No. So, um, so with a task, this is the task I have today. So we, t- our, our, our whole discussion really was about influence is presence. Uh, and and the article we read, it's gonna be it's gonna be linked in there. You know, it's called "Make an Impact: How to Establish Presence and Influence People." All right, the task for this is is easy, it, very easy. When this show comes out, I'm going to have an iTunes link for this show. All I need you to do is share it. That's all you have to do. You go, you'll, you'll see it. Um, I'll share it as an, and you'll you look for the one that's, cause they'll see, you'll see one that says pod and then you'll see an iTunes one when the iTunes one comes out and it'll be the same day that it's, this is released. Just go in, click share and just share it. And what that does is that creates a presence, a presence to help influence others to listen and learn and maybe create discussion with you. Because those of you who have been listening to us for a little while, you kind of know where we've been going with this. And and I would definitely have to say that you have an understanding of what we've talked about. So share that and you create that presence and that influence in others. Because really to tell you the truth, mine and and, and Ed's um, level of influence or or, our how I guess our waves of influence only go so far. And that's why, that's why we need you as a listener to kind of help continue that and make it grow. Um, it's only as big as, you know, the listeners allowed to be. Uh, so uh, what do you think about that? Do you think that might be a good idea to kind of spread the presence and influence? Yeah. And I think our listeners can make it happen. Um, oh, I know yeah. they could. I know they can. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so let's let's share that. Let's you know, let's you know, just make it known. Um, it's not like like all of a sudden we get paid a bunch of money because a bunch of people listen. No, that's not how it works. It's not. That's w- the whole goal is to create this this wave, this movement, so to speak. So, uh, with that, if you are first time listener, thank you for listening. Uh, we're glad to have you. If you listen through this whole episode and you're a first time listener, you are dedicated. Believe me, because sometimes we don't usually go this long. Uh, it's just, this happened to be one that we really kind of got into. Um, go back and listen to some of the other ones. If you haven't heard, like we talked about emotional intelligence, we talked about communicating. We've talked about, uh, pay the bill for leadership capital. We've talked, I mean, We've talked about so many different things in the you know previous to this. Also, go to Facebook, type in the search bar "one hundred one influence." That'll come up with uh, our page. Hit visit group and join the group by answering the three questions, and then and just hitting submit. And we will one of there's one of four of us that we'll look at over, and we'll uh, we'll accept it. Okay, um, I mean obviously, you know, 
we, we do like to read about what you have to say because it kind of it helps us understand those who are listening and and also it helps tailor some of the uh the message of influence to those you know because maybe it's different types of uh careers career fields that you know maybe we need to touch upon another type of career field you know even though we are stuck generally in the military world but it it all works it all intertwines you know uh our our good friend randy ashby that we did an interview with he's in the healthcare world he's never been in the military but everything he had to say directly correlated to what uh ed and i both talked about multiple times Uh, with that just check that out the website www.instinctiveinfluencers.com we're also on instagram and we're also with twitter uh you can find us both on linkedin linkedin's a great tool if you really want to create presence and influence people linkedin is the place to do it uh with that ed do you have anything else for the listeners no um no i think that's i think let me see yeah, no, I think that's it, man. Oh, I, I, I so I'm gonna do something super cheesy. I want to thank my wife and my my siblings and my family for their support, cousins, cousin in laws, whoever you are. Hey, thank you individually for your support, but especially my wife because, I mean, you know, here we are at two hours. Yeah, she's working today, but sometimes she's not, and she's very understanding and uh, active in the group as well. So yeah, thank you for very. everything. Thanks for the support. Yes, he's very active with the group. We appreciate it. <laughs> um, so with that, uh, what I would like to say is thank you very much also. And uh, I, I, I'm, I'm excited to see where this goes. And remember, share the iTunes link. Let's see what happens. With that, I am Brian. And I am Ed. And this has been the Instinctive Influencers Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Have a great day.